0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, you ready to preview my team?
1: I am. That intro never gets old, by the way. It does not.
0: It does not. Love me some Foo Fighters. Uh, Mike, we, we're doing something a little bit different tonight. What we have done is we've gone back and uh, we've actually pre-recorded an interview, and we're going to kind of splice it here in the middle. Uh, but we we spoke with a, a person I consider extremely knowledgeable and and. Uh, and well regarded as it relates to the Georgia Tech football program, we spoke to Kelly Quinlan. Um, he's on the Rivals Network JacketsOnline um, For my money, he is by far the most knowledgeable and insightful guy on the on the internet regarding the Georgia Tech football program. Uh, we talked to him a little bit ago uh, regarding the program and around this season. I I thought it was a pretty brilliant interview.
1: It was, and one of my major questions going into it was, what was this offensive line going to look like? Right, because you're going from an option offense to we don't really know yet, but something different from the option being the core principle of the offense, which is something we haven't seen in a really long time at Georgia Tech. So you guys, I think, will be happy with his answer. Or, yeah, I, I know a lot of Georgia Tech fans will be listening to this anyway, just because that's who listens to this podcast, Joey. A lot, a lot of Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech people. Um, As it would happen. Yes. Imagine that. Um, our two respective followings. But... Uh, <laughs> No, he was uh, he was very good. Gave a really insightful answer about that that I wasn't necessarily expecting, and gave some information on the quarterback position that maybe those who follow the Georgia Tech program closely were expecting, but somebody who doesn't follow it quite as closely, like me, uh, wasn't necessarily expecting. So, a um, couple things there that we'll tease going into this, but he was very good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and one other thing I thought was really cool, and as a little little treat as I as I tend to take it is. Um, Kelly talked a little bit as we got started about Paul Johnson and, and some of the the things that he dealt with behind the scenes and things that a lot of people don't always realize or understand. And so I feel like this is a really cool opportunity for him to kind of share some of those things that were, were probably at play again behind the scenes in the Paul Johnson era that um, a lot of people don't really recognize and kind of need to be considered when we look back and say, was, was Paul Johnson a good coach? Was his tenure a success at Georgia Tech? So I I thought that was some really cool stuff that he shared with us as well. But, yeah, he gave a lot of insights on the team this year uh, and and specific players in particular to look out for on both sides of the ball. So um, hopefully you guys enjoy this. Um, Here is Kelly Quinlan. Take a listen. All right, Mike, joining us now uh, for the first time ever, a a guy that I have known for quite a while, I've followed for quite a while, for my money, absolutely nobody better in the business in terms of covering Georgia Tech uh, and its program All things inside, outside, recruiting, daily operations, you name it. Uh, Mr. Kelly Quinlan, Jackets Online on the uh, Rivals Network, joins the program. Kelly, it is great to have you on. How are you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Really appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, Look forward to talking about the 2019 Georgia Tech season here with you. Uh, Before we do, I do want to get into a little bit of the Paul Johnson era here, just I know that you started covering Georgia Tech kind of early in his tenure, and I know that you ended up getting to know Paul really well. I know that you, um, you kind of got a good feel for what really went on behind the scenes with Paul and his various bosses and such, and things didn't always seem like they quite met the eye um, of what the public perceived, you know, maybe he was doing or going through in terms of how back office stuff kind of translated to on-field results. I was just going to see if you could give a little bit of insight into some of the things that uh, Coach Johnson had to deal with that might have uh, kind of impacted what he produced on the field and really need to be considered when we really look into what is his legacy uh, in his time at Georgia Tech. I mean, basically, from
2: basically maybe his third year. I start, So I started covering Paul Johnson in the spring of 2009, which was kind of like the, the high sort of watermark of his early part of his program. and. Things were going pretty well. They had Dan Radakovich, who was very supportive of them. A little bit of um, an interesting relationship with the school president. who was a former football player, but he had a lot of other fights he was battling. I don't don't know how much of a priority athletics was for uh, Bud Peterson. But, like, you kind of look through it. Everything's going okay. They have some weird situations in terms of you can't find a defensive coordinator uh, from the get-go, Dan Ratikovic didn't give him a lot of money, um, salary-wise. I think they just didn't have the money to hire a defensive coordinator. The guy Paul Johnson wants to hire out of the box is a guy named Ellis Johnson. He can't afford Ellis Johnson. He hires Dave Womack. Dave Womack lasts two years. They make him basically – Paul kept all the to era assistance on defense. That caused a lot of issues and static. He – all of those guys basically leave except for Charles Kelly. They bring in Al Bro. That's a disaster. And then you have uh, basically the fire Al Bro, They hire Ted Roof. Dan Radakovich leaves. They bring in Mike Babinski. And it was interesting because I've talked a lot about Mike Babinski and have said some negative things about him in the past. But someone put it in a good perspective for me um, at the ACC kickoff this year. I was talking to someone that Knows a lot about the program, and it reminded me of something that I had kind of forgotten, which was Mike came in and was very hands-on and interested in everything that was going on, and then that kind of faded out after about six months. I don't know what happened in that time frame, but his relationship soured with Paul, and then you have the magical 2014 season. They win, it looked like they were getting ready to fire Paul Jonathan, and Paul goes on another run. And then suddenly, you get Todd Stansberry is a guy who is supportive, who's willing to raise money, who's willing to do things like spend money on recruiting. They they get on another sort of decent run, and then it kind of taps out. And basically, Paul just kind of got was exhausted from everything that had happened. And I've talked to him since he left um, privately. I feel like it's um, you know a weird situation. I don't write about this because I don't want to rock the boat for Jeff Collins. This is about Jeff now and what he's doing. But, I mean, you know, Paul had a rough go of it, and I think that it was not the job he thought he was taking. And it got harder and harder because of things like the SEC Network and recruiting biases and the, basically, um, APR issues. All of those things just made it hard. And then you had the bungled NCAA investigation. And all of these weird things that are very Georgia Tech sort of bad luck would happen, and it's sort of sad uh, how things played
1: out for a guy who was a really great coach but was handcuffed by resources at times and very much money throughout his entire tenure. Joey's brought this up in the past, Kelly, regarding the difficulty in recruiting to Georgia Tech, not necessarily because it's a difficult school I mean it certainly is but because of how academically narrow it is in regards to the types of classes that you can take and Joey's talked about the recruiting in the past in in that lens and uh, you know what you just mentioned about Paul Johnson kind of struck me how exhausted he was it wasn't the job that he thought he was taking I'm sure he had the idea in mind when he took the position at Georgia Tech that it was going to be a difficult uh, job to recruit to but It seems like as time went on there at Georgia Tech, it kind of became more and more difficult for him for reasons that kind of stretched beyond academics.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of different things going on. Um, Some of it was he had some staff who were not maybe ideal recruiters. There were people with their own agendas, as you have in any organization, kind of pushing their thing. Coach Johnson always had sort of a mindset that he was focused on recruiting when it was recruiting season. And in, in the football season, it was time to focus on football. And that's not really the way things work these days. You have to recruit every day. You know, it's like getting up and drinking water, a glass of water. Like, that's how most coaches look at it. I don't know that he wanted to do that and grind on that level. and I think that was an issue as well.
0: Well, in any case, I mean, Paul Johnson ends up a very accomplished coach at Georgia Tech. He stands up with most most of the guys that have ever coached there um and and did really well has a good track record i I think ultimately we have to look back on his time fondly 10 years down the road time will tell what what happens but certainly now we move on to the jeff collins era kelly and and all i mean it was like day one that he was hired that you could sense that this was just going to be something completely and entirely different um Jeff has been very intentional about installing culture and brand and establishing those things, and it feels like he has done everything in his power that you can do without setting foot on the football field, you know, for an official game, to really kind of rebrand the team and and kind of reimagine the team entirely. And I get the impression—if and correct me if I'm wrong—but the players really seem to be buying into it, and and uh, I guess. <laughs> That's probably the best way I can look at it is buying in and, and you know, eating what, he, what he's feeding them. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the room and the smiles on the kids' faces and a couple of guys who didn't get it or were feeling it, they left early on. And now you have sort of the core guys who are sort of believers in the system. Even an old country guy like Kenny
2: Cooper, who's not kind of a guy you get up dancing or whatever to music in a a meeting room he gets it he likes what they're doing like he likes coach he likes coach Collins and so it takes like you have to buy in That's, that's a huge part of anything whether it's you know Paul Johnson or Davos Winnie or Nick Saban or whoever it's all culture is huge when it comes to winning in football and uh, that's the one thing that Jeff has installed from day 1 that's, that's been really strong. And it's going to have to carry him, let's be honest. They're not going to take walk through their schedule and you know march into Charlotte and play an ACC championship game. It's going to be a, an uphill battle to get to a bowl game for probably the next two years just because they have one of the hardest schedules in the country. And you play two of the top five programs in the country every year.
1: Yeah, death by crossover, and then you get Georgia at the end of the year. Um, this year, you get to open with Clemson, so you can only be so lucky. Um, <laughs> let's talk Let's talk about the offense, Kelly, uh, specifically the offensive line. This is an area where a lot of people are going to be curious who do not follow the Georgia Tech program religiously. Obviously, you cover them, and Joey's an alum. Uh, the offensive line, obviously, transitioning systems from the option to whatever this ends up being heading into 2019 all eyes are going to be on that line just due to the fact that hey these guys were recruited to block for an option attack that's no longer present at least not going to be the core facet of the offense anymore so what what are the expectations for the offensive line is it as grim as a lot of people are expecting it to be or do you think that this line is going to be a little bit underrated considering the fact that there are some veterans here uh, up front <laughs>
2: They should be okay, and it's like most teams. Most teams there's a huge drop off once you get past the guys, maybe the seventh guy on the, on the, you know, in that top five, top eight offensive linemen. Once you get to number seven, things kind of fall off a cliff. It's very much that way at Georgia Tech right now. I think the five guys they have two tackles. They don't really have a great third tackle option right now. So if one of those guys get hurt, the wheels fall off the bus a little bit. Uh, they have a little bit of depth of guard because that's the one position that translated the best over. And you have Katie Cooper, and you have uh, uh, Jared Souther, a the kid they got from Vanderbilt, as a grad transfer. You have Connor Hanson and Mike Minahan. So they have a couple of bodies there. And then the center thing right now, the starting center, would be a walk-on named William Lane. Uh Very reminiscent of Sean Bedford and, and back in Paul Johnson. When Paul Johnson started, he had a converted defensive lineman named Sean Bedford. Those was a walk-on. Sean ended up being an all ACC center, and it's funny because William wears the same number that Sean wore. He's the guy right now, uh, you know. Whether he is when, when they play, whether they move Kenny Cooper back there, I don't know. But they have enough pieces. The offense line looks okay. They're just paper thin right now. They just don't have a lot of bodies. They got rid of a lot of guys who didn't fit the system. Brett Keys trying to kind of carve it out in the image that he wants, which is. Offensive tackles are gigantic with long arms. And then powerful guards and the tackles can be guys that play either – and the center can be either offensive tackle or a pure center. It doesn't matter. They're, they're able to kind of mix and match those positions. So uh, those two kind of marry each other. It's just a matter of who can snap the ball. Um, so it will be interesting to see what they do. Like this is a transition year for that. I think next year will be a tra- an even bigger transition, and then they'll start to kind of figure out the offensive line.
0: And of course there, Kelly, you're referring to good friend of the show, Sean Bedford. He's come on with us a couple times. Um, It sounds a lot like you basically the way that you're talking about the offensive line here and and what we should expect is it's very reminiscent of Florida State last year. And you can see what happens there if if just, again, one or two pieces get injured, it can kind of go to hell pretty quickly. So pray for some good health, I guess, on on the offensive line. And if if not, then just prepare for the worst, ultimately.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I've, I've before him a lifetime ago it almost seems like. I mm-hmm. covered Georgia and I remember covering them in a season that's a school with a lot of resources. Mark Brick was like in his sixth season or fifth season at that point and it was like 2006 maybe. They, they played the second half of the season with six offensive linemen basically on scholarship and literally one guy and they would have to mix and match depending on so I mean lots of teams go through this. and Injuries and and offensive line is like the one position where you see the most injuries of anywhere in football, right? So you can easily find yourself in that situation. You could find it anytime there's a coaching transition, you mentioned before, State stay with Willie Taggart. Like, coaches, it can get really out of whack, especially if you change your system. So I think that uh, it, it's a problem, and it's going to be a problem. There's no quick fix. You can't take Juco's really a Georgia Tech. They yeah, It's a very, very specific set. And it's even harder on transfers. The longer you're in school, the harder it is to transfer to Georgia Tech in terms of what credits count and being academically. You can get into school, but it's you have to have a certain level of academic progress with the NCAA just to be eligible to play football, and that becomes more of an issue with some guys.
0: Kelly, I think one of the areas of this team that a lot of people are probably sleeping on is the skill players on offense, right? The backs, the receivers, the tight ends. And I think a lot of people would assume coming out of the, again, the Paul Johnson system and his offense and what a lot of people would perceive as some somewhat lackluster recruiting through the years that there's probably not that much there. But I tend to kind of disagree with that. Um, I think there's quite a bit of talent, both in the running back room and at receiver. And it sounds like Tyler Davis has been an absolute uh, godsend at the tight end position. Am I right to be fairly confident in the skill positions there on offense? I mean, I think Jeff would tell you that he was shocked
2: by the level of talent and depth they have. The running back room is as good as anyone in the ACC. I would say the guy who's probably the fourth running back right now is Christian Malloy. And he would be a backup at most schools. Um, And, even Tony Emerson and Jamias Griffin and Devin Ellison, who's been a huge surprise in camp, those three freshmen would play in a lot of schools. They have a lot of talent. They have really talented wide receivers. They were just underused. Like They put guys in the NFL. There's a reason why they've very, been very successful at scouting those guys. Malachi Carter's a very talented wide receiver. Donika Sanders is a gem they found in rural South Carolina. And a guy named uh, Jalen Camp, who has started, but you know, I think he caught 15 balls last year or something like that. He's a guy who can catch 50 this year if he's healthy. Like, those, they, they, they will be able to move the football. Tyler Davis, mark it down. He will be at least second team all-ACC if he's healthy this year. Ooh. Guy will get drafted. Like, he is as talented a tight end as I've seen in a while. Um, and I, again, I covered tight end you back in the day. So, I, I this is not my first go around kind of covering teams that have that stuff. That kid's got what it takes to play at the next level. And, you know, can the guy get into a quarterback position? Can they block for that guy? Those are the two real questions to me. I'm not concerned uh, looking at it. If you look at it as a tech man, I would be concerned about the, the skill positions like outside of the quarterback. I think they should got to figure out how to deliver the football to their weapons. And that
1: leads us into an excellent segue. Kelly, you've done this before, clearly. Uh, <laughs> quarterback uh Tobias Oliver I got to see him up close and personal full disclosure Kelly I'm a uh, Virginia Tech alum and I was in the stadium last year for that emba- that embarrassment of a Thursday night game for Virginia Tech when Tobias Oliver single-handedly accounted for most of the production in that game he was unbelievable um quarterback position Tobias Oliver is a guy who's returning he's got experience um obviously lose to Quan Marshall but it's nice to have a guy like Tobias Oliver who's got the real life game experience. And then you got Lucas Johnson who, uh, I mean, Georgia tech fans for a while have talked about Lucas Johnson and the potential there. So, I mean, he's a guy who can get, get it done through the air. I think that's clear Um, throughout camp so far. I mean, I, I think Jeff Collins is, you know, kind of been keeping it close to the best as far as who's going to emerge at the quarterback position, but I'd imagine that it's pretty even, through fall camp so far?
2: It's kind of hard to measure. I mean, um, looking at the part of practice that we get to watch, which sometimes we get 45 minutes, sometimes a little bit of an hour, sometimes a little bit less. Lucas Johnson's kind of the guy, like you can see it. He still makes some mistakes, but he's the most comfortable running the offense. The most dynamic guy all around is probably James Graham. And then Tobias Oliver Will have a role like I just don't know if he can throw the ball well enough to be like an every down quarterback. But they have packages for him. They have all kinds of stuff they can do with that kid. He's going to play some quarterback. So to me, it kind of comes down to Lucas and James. And Lucas is a little more seasoned. James, I think you just see the mental mistakes sometimes that like a young quarterback makes. A lot of kind of bad throws and coverage pressing the football, tucking it too early, not it's moving too fast sometimes for him, and I think that that's kind of where he's got to slow the game down, and that's going to be a mental thing, and hopefully that comes to him. But if I were betting today, you know, uh, what is this, like the first and a half week of August, I would say it's Lucas Johnson, but I I think it could change between now and and August 29th. Um, I think that they've made it clear that the competition's open. They have not named Lucas the starter. Jeff doesn't believe in naming starters, quote unquote. So I think you could see all three, conceivably, especially if the Clemson game goes the way most of us assume it will. Um, you might even see Jordan Yates, for all we know, the the freshman, highly decorated kid from uh, Georgia. He's come in and has a pretty good grasp of the offense. I mean, sometimes you know I think it's going a little too fast for him, but that's part of being a freshman too, speed of the game and adjusting to that. And he he is he looks a lot more season than uh, any true
0: freshman quarterback I've seen in a while. All right, Jordan A-type train. Here we go. Sounds good. (laughs) Um, Kayla, let's talk about the defense, and much like on the offense, I think a lot of the concern is going to be in the trenches, uh, particularly on the defensive line. Coming out of last year, you've got the graduations of Henri St. Amour, Desmond Branch, uh, Kyle Serge Henderson, and then uh, once again the – absolutely tragic situation losing Brandon Adams right before fall camp starts, um, like literally like 48 hours before spring camp, sorry, spring camp starts. Um, there are a few months back. And so as you look at the guys on this defensive line, I mean, you got Antoine Owens, you've got uh, TK Chimeza, uh, Brentavius Glanton, maybe even Justice Dingle. You've got some guys that have been in the game before, but I don't think you've got a whole lot of guys that have a lot of that established track record uh, of, you know, experience and, and production on the field. that That's probably got to be the biggest question mark for Georgia Tech's defense going into this fall, I'd have to imagine. Yeah, I mean, if you look at
2: it on paper, like, you know, most teams, they, the defensive lineman's playing like five to 700 snaps a year or whatever. Uh, Anton Owens has 200 snaps last year, I think, is the fourth defensive lineman or whatever, fourth, third defensive end, I think. Um, the 3 4. He's playing tack, uh, three technique defensive tackle now. And then Tate and played like two, three years ago, his first two years basically. And then it falls off a cliff. I was looking at the stats the other day. I'm pretty sure about this that uh, Christian Campbell is the leading returning sacker on the entire team. who's a safety. He oh, kind of tells you uh, kind of where things are in terms of the front of the defense. But yeah, and it's all kids. Justin Single played his couple redshirt games he could play last year. Um, Jordan Dominic played a little bit uh, as a rush in. Jaquan Henderson is a guy who has played a little bit and is doing really well in camp. They basically play a rush flexed end. guy could stand up and or put his hand in the dirt and rush pass him. And the other guy's more of a traditional strong side end. So Jaquan's a skinny guy. He's playing that rush kind of stand up end position and then Justice Stingle would probably be right now the the strong side end, but Antonius Clayton, if he gets his waiver from the NCAA, I think he would be the guy. Uh, he looks really good in camp. He's, you can tell the difference physically of him just being an older guy uh, compared to a guy like Justice who's, you know, whatever, 19 months removed from high school or whatever that math is. So, yeah, that's where you got issues there. Inside, I'm less concerned. T.K., is very serviceable as a nose tackle. Um, just a young kid, played a little bit last year. Antoine Owens, I think, is a very talented three-technique guy. And then you have a bunch of different guys kind of playing behind them. Um, Quan Griffin, Jemias Griffin's brother, is not bad. He's a little undersized. Um, Digimon Brooks, is a walk-on, has done a nice job there. Uh And Daquan Dossie is a a true freshman from Savannah. just came in and was gigantic, much bigger than any of us anticipated. I think even staff. And he's kind of turning some heads right now. I wonder if maybe he plays his way into getting on the field as well, too. So they have bodies. It's just lack of experience. And that's going to, you know, I I think more than pass rush, I, I would be concerned about stopping the run. And I'm wondering... How they're going to do that and backfill, and, and can the, the linebackers clean up enough and the safeties clean up enough to to not give up some big plays that way because you're getting blown off your gaps up front because you've got young and with all that being guys. said,
1: the Jeff Collins defense somehow always find a way, don't they? He's
2: the minister of mayhem. That's what they call him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, Saturday for people who came, they had an open scrimmage um, at Georgia Tech. Was the first time. They really actually gave you some blitzes and, and certainly through the offense for Luke, they kind of weren't expecting that. They did some overloads and some kind of exotic blitzes and it really stumped the uh, the offense and it's something that they have a ton of blitzes. Andrew Thacker, the defense coordinator, talks about Jeff Collins, helps him come up with the game plan a lot of times. And they were very good uh, wherever Jeff's been and, when he's coached the defense now, and he's missed two bowl games, and both of those were kind of disasters. One was the Orange Bowl uh, when Georgia Tech rolled Mississippi State. and The other one was Temple's Bowl game this past year when basically the whole staff was leaving to come to Georgia Tech. But, you know, in the season when he's had those guys, they played really well. They played out of their minds for him. I think, to me, defense is such a thing of effort and wanting to play for your coach and being aggressive and having a right kind of mindset to it. And I think that that can make up for sometimes a lack of talent. So if you scheme okay and trust your guys, then you have a chance to have success. And they're going to play man press a lot. They're going to trust their corners and their safeties to cover guys.
0: Well, let's go there, Kelly. Uh, regarding, again, kind of the secondary, but I'll, I'll loop in the linebackers too, is we mentioned that there's some questions on the defensive line, but it really seems like in the back seven with the linebackers in the secondary, there's, there's a lot of talent. And that's where Paul Johnson's staffs seem to do some of their best recruiting was in the secondary. Um, combine that with, you know, you've got young guys at linebacker, such as a, a Bruce Jordan Swilling, who's incredibly talented. You've got the senior David Curry running around. It seems like the potential for this defense to be really good and cause opponents some problems probably lies with that group of players um, and, and it seems like, too, that they're going to get to look pretty different from what previous defenses have looked like in terms of playing a lot more of an aggressive style and seeing a lot more activity really from that group of, of positions. Yeah, I think
2: that, the, you know, you look at Trace Willings, turned into a bit of a lockdown corner. We'll see how he does when he plays some other teams. He's had the most growth I've seen of really any of the DBs year over year. Has uh, really looked impressive with the new man system that fits his abilities, not a guy who's gonna blow by you with speed catching up, so he needs to use his size. He's a big guy. And and reroute receivers and, and kinda of jam them and they're letting him do that. You know, the guy to me that's gonna really get on people's radar, I think if he's healthy, Juan e. Thomas is as talented a safety and athlete and college as anyone in college football. Um this kid's just unbelievable. You got to see clips of it like in that Louisville game when he had the 100-plus yard uh, interception return for a touchdown at the end of that game. And, you know, some of his skills as a returner last year he was stuck behind a, a really experienced guy who was the captain of the defense and Malik Rivera. And so he didn't get a chance to really show um, what he could do and play enough, in my opinion. This year he's going to come out. He makes plays every day, every day of practice. He's always in on making plays. They have uh, three Carpenter, Christian Campbell, who would start at a lot of schools, kind of battling for the the strong safety spot. You have Caleb Caleb Oliver, who had a huge spring um, at that nickel position. And really, the only question they have in that entire secondary is the other corner spot. My gut is it's going to be Zamari Walton, because he's the guy who makes the most plays out of all of the kids they have right now. But... They, if they can find that other spot and get that locked down, I think they're going to have a very good year on defense. Just because those guys can cover guys, if they can get any kind of pass rush, I think that's going to be kind of the identity of this team. Is I think they're going to run the football, to be honest, and I think they're going to play good defense. Especially Let's take a secondary. look
1: at the schedule, Kelly, and that defense that you mentioned that certainly has some upside gets tested early and often. You get Clemson in your crossover game in the opener, and you get Clemson every year, and you mentioned this earlier, it's one of the tougher schedules they play in all the ACC because you're getting Clemson this year, and you happen to get them at the beginning of the year, and you get them every year, but going on the road in the opener is brutal. And then you get Georgia annually at the end of the year. Uh, this year it's at home, but again not that that matters entirely just because of how good Georgia is and how good everybody expects them to be so it's two top five opponents on the schedule off the bat one at the front and one at the end and then in the other crossover game there um, in in late November right before you play Georgia it's NC State and I mean there are easier teams to play in the Atlantic than NC State yes they're losing a lot but that's still a very talented team under Dave Doran what are your initial thoughts on the schedule heading into the year? Um, outside of the Clemson-Georgia games, obviously, and, and kind of looking at the rest of the Coastal, because I think it's really a crapshoot.
2: Well, my favorite game you just mentioned is that NC State game. They play Virginia Tech November 16th. They play NC State November 21st. If you count, it's five days. So Thursday at the very end of the season when everyone's beat up, they're going to play NC State. I think NC State is playing like uh, – Some uh, mediocre team that the week before, they don't have a game like that on their schedule. Um, So, you know, it's just kind of amazing how tough their schedule is. Uh, uh, NC State's playing Louisville, who's certainly not uh, Virginia Tech in terms of (laughs) talent or uh, ability right now or uh, personnel or any of those things. That's a complete rebuild, that job. Um, you kind of look at what Georgia Tech has on the schedule is tough, man. They got to play two of the maybe four toughest teams in the, in the G5 and South Florida week two in Atlanta, and then Temple at Temple uh, week four and, or week uh, five. And the Temple boys, you know they're going to be pissed when Jeff Collins brings his team up there. Those were kids he recruited. The whole core of that team is all guys he brought in there. And they're going to play – that's going to be their Super Bowl. So that's your fourth game. They play North Carolina. You play at Duke, which is like playing in a mausoleum. They play in the other <laughs> mausoleum of the ACC, Miami, and uh, you know, Penn, Virginia. They won two games, I think, since uh, 1990 in Charlottesville as a program. So it's just not set up well. Um, it is not a favorable schedule. Next year's just as bad. And that's going to be the two tough things that kind of Jeff Collins has got to deal with because ultimately, at the end of the day, he's got to win football games. People want them to go to a bowl game. That would make every that would be a happy story. It'd be a great story. You got your former head coach on Twitter telling you telling people that this is a team that should win eight or nine games, which is a little bit of setup. Um, so, <laughs> to me, it's just funny. Like when you look at it, because it, it's not easy. It wouldn't be easy. But what's funny is if Paul Johnson was the head coach right now, Georgia Tech would have been picked as the favorite in the ACC Coastal. And everybody would be talking about how they have a chance to play Clemson twice. But that's not what's going on. you got Jeff got a whole new system, whole new kids, changeover and roster, totally different guys. And, you know, where are the easy wins? The Citadel and, you know, I don't know where that easy win is, mm-hmm. and that's where it gets tough. Every week's going to be a toss-up, and everyone asks me what my prediction is on the season, and I always say the same thing. They could win five games, they could win eight games. I don't think they're going to be in that three- to four-win category, and I don't think they're going to run
0: through the schedule either. But I think somewhere in that range, and that should get them into a bowl game, hopefully, and that would be a hell of an accomplishment for Jeff Collins in you one. That's kind of been my take on it, Kelly, for a little bit of time now, is that if they if they make a bowl game year one, that's a pretty unqualified success.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan and you know that, well, let's be honest, it is, there is something to this. It is a big change. It is a totally different system. You don't have, like you say, if Tyler Davis gets hurt, they don't really have depth at tight end. The next guy behind them is a converted linebacker and then a true freshman. Right? So you're having to change up your whole scheme probably if you lose a guy like that or if you lose Lucas Johnson and you might have to play Tobias and Jane. Like, there's just so many X factors. They're so thin at so many key spots that it can easily fall off the wheels. And then also, you just play good teams, right? South Florida put up tons of points on Georgia Tech and fired their offensive coordinator essentially. He left and took another job. But let's be honest, he was let go. And uh, – they got a guy who's better at running a really fast, run-heavy team with a lot of talent. That's a tough game. Um, you know, North Carolina's going to try to score 100 because they're going to go 100. They're going to go 150 miles an hour on offense. So you're going to have to catch up and play. You have to be able to score points to beat them, right? Duke is tough. Duke Cut, Coach Cut is a great coach. He always. That's a tough out for everybody in the league. You know, Miami's an ex-team. I think they're going to suck. I think that uh, maybe he has going to be the next Lane Kiffin at Tennessee. But we'll see what happens here. They they think they're going to be good. And then you have Pitt, who's Pitt, who always shocks somebody every year and, and always manages at this point. And then you have Virginia. So, you know, and then you get to that back part of the schedule. Virginia Tech and NC State, Georgia, which is going to be a tough stretch. So they're going to have to upset some people to get to a bowl game, right? Like there's no, you don't look at the schedule and go, oh, there's my wins. Paul Johnson always joke that you. you look at the schedule of your year and you point to the games you think you're going to win. He said a couple of years ago he looked around the room and realized people were pointing at him. You know, like <laughs> that's, I think, what's going on with Georgia Tech right now. Teams are expecting to beat them. I think that's a good position for them to be in right now because they get to be the team that's um, the, the hunter instead of the hunted. And I think teams play a lot better when they have their backs against the wall and there's no expectations and you, you don't have to worry about trying to win the Coastal or people are asking you, are you going to, no one, I have yet to hear anybody ask them if, you know, about their thoughts on beating Clemson, right? We're a full spring and um, a couple, two weeks into camp now. Like that's just not on the, even the TV media's radar to ask that question. So, I think that, uh, you know, whatever happens, as long as they don't win, like, one game, I think that people are going to understand that it's it's a little bit of a rebuild.
0: Yeah, I got to think that there's there's not necessarily a lot of counting targets that are a, a hard requirement out of this season. You know, there's, there's a lot more of those uh, qualitative things rather than quantitative that we got to look at. Um, Kelly, I think that's all I've I got, got for you. Good. Mike, did you have anything for Kelly while we got him? I think so. Kelly, this has been a great preview of, of this team. This is a lot of really in-depth uh, insight and knowledge and really appreciate you coming on. You want to uh, tell the people, I guess, where they can find your stuff? Sure. Uh, jacketsonline.com uh, GeorgiaTech.Rivals.com um,
2: We're running a promo right now uh, for an annual sub, 75 bucks. It's 25 bucks up the normal fee. You get $75 in Adidas cash that you can use in the Adidas store to buy yourself a Georgia Tech hat. They put out those little T hats that everyone's wanted that are blue that Deshawn Choice has been wearing. So people are very excited about that. It's been a very hot selling item uh, for us as this promo. So check it out. It should be going for a good little bit of camp here. And uh, you know, if you're a diehard Tech fan, it's a great place to go. You can be with your fellow Tech fans. I try to provide the best information I can in the most timely manner and. I think people who are on the site really love it and stay there forever. And I think that's the kind of beauty of the the community. Though they're kind of ride or die with Georgia Tech, uh, like
0: you're like yourself, Joey. A hundred percent. By the way, those hats that you mentioned, guilty as charged. I'm already working on getting mine. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll throw in there while while you're here, Kelly. Just I I tell people all the time if if you care enough about Georgia Tech football and, and especially about college football enough to things like listen to this podcast or go regularly comment on an internet blog about Georgia tech football, you can afford the the money to get the kind of information and insight that is on the rivals network. Um, and that Kelly that you're producing and and posting all the time. Um, it is, and especially the the current deal that you're running, it is unbelievable. So highly recommend people go jump on that. Um, Kelly, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And, and, uh, we'd love to have you back on sometime soon. Thanks, Kelly all right mike that's kelly quinlan once again jacketsonline.com uh, on the rivals network highly recommend people go take a take a stab at that deal while it's available um i, I will maintain and if, if you ever ask me on the record off the record whatever uh, if if you care enough about georgia tech football to be listening to this podcast or to be commenting on internet blogs at a, at a regular basis you can afford that, especially that seventy-five dollars. That's a, a reduced rate. Highly recommended. Um, go support Kelly and, and profit in knowledge from it. So uh, highly recommended. Uh, Mike, we did not really.
1: Yeah, we we've been pretty Joey, Joey. We've been pretty lucky with the we've been pretty lucky with the guests we've gotten for both Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech. But I, I mean, throughout the duration of this podcast, we've been doing it now going on our fourth season. But Kelly, by far. Um, I mean, blew away my expectations. I expect him to be very good. He exceeded those. Um, definitely the go-to guy for Georgia. Highly recommended. Kelly underscore
0: Quinlan on Twitter. Uh, Mike, we did not get a chance between you and I really to talk the schedule much. Uh, we we kind of let Kelly run there, but we're going to we're gonna hit that for now while we, uh, while we still are, are going here. Um, so I, there were two main things that stick out to me about this schedule. Beyond, obviously, that you start with Clemson and you finish with Georgia, meaning – you're starting your season and ending your season with two teams that have made up for a combined three of the eight playoff spots the last two years. Um, So good luck with that. There's, there's two other things, Mike, that stick out to this, to me about this schedule that kind of might not be super obvious. I'll start by saying the, the out of conference slate, the out of conference slate, obviously you've got Georgia, you've got the Citadel to start out, you know, in, in mid September there, but the other two kind of, um, somewhat challenging out of conference games, we'll say, are South Florida at home and at Temple. Those are two of the best teams in the AAC, two of the best G five teams out there. Those are arguably no win games for Georgia Tech. Those are teams that can and will beat you if you are not on top of your game and, and organized and, and come into play. That is that is tough, as, as tough as it can be, to play two G five teams out of conference and and have it South Florida and Temple do not make the mistake of kind of trying to sleep on those teams because they will jump up and beat you 100%. The other thing is I tend to kind of disagree with Kelly on the idea that Miami is just going to be a total mess. Um, I, am, I am skeptical of the M- Manny Diaz hire, and we'll get to that with uh, with Cam Underwood at some point here in the near future. But what I will say is that I think that Miami and Virginia are probably the two best teams in the Coastal, and you get both of those games on the road. That bites. Um, yep. The good news is that yep. after Miami, you've got a bye week, and then four of your last five games are at home. Though once again, Kelly mentioned that's home against Pittsburgh, at Virginia, home against Virginia Tech, NC State, and Georgia. So it could be a lot easier. Could be easier. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if we're on the if we're on the hunt for six wins here, you might need to help me out here a little bit, Mike. W- what's the path here? What do we think?
1: I don't see it, but let's go on the hunt. This means that you beat the Citadel like you're supposed to, which I think we're all expecting Georgia Tech will. That's one of the few games on the schedule we can chalk up as a W, at least on paper. Especially coming
0: off a win against Clemson. Yeah, you got to beat the Citadel.
1: It, yeah, exactly. Especially, you know, starting the starting the year, you know, 3-0 or whatever it'll Stay be. Stay undefeated um, in South Carolina. Yes, and you'll feel really good about your chances to make a bowl game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so they're going to lose to Clemson. Uh, South Florida in week two. That is, like you mentioned, a really, really dicey matchup. Um, That is, again, one of the top group of five teams, a really, really solid AAC team. Uh, That is a, I want to say a 65-35 chance you lose that game. And then you have the Citadel the next week and at Temple. And I I would love to say that with jeff collins intimate knowledge of the temple program the georgia tech will be fine in that game but it's on the road and it's temple super bowl as kelly mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago that is going to be a very very tough game at the end of september um but then you have a couple games i think are winnable right north carolina at home i'm really low on north carolina we haven't previewed them yet i don't really think they'll be all that good um they're getting a lot of preseason hype because they have a four-star quarterback coming in who's a freshman and He's talented, this, that, and the other, and Mac Brown is Mac Brown, but I am just not very high on North Carolina, Joey. So I think that game in early October, especially because it's his home, is is definitely winnable. Um, at Duke, yeah, Duke's a tough team, but they lost a lot, uh, including their quarterback, which might even be a net win. We don't know. At Miami, I, t- that's a tough game. I, I disagree with Kelly as well. I, I think they're going to have a hard time winning that game on the road. I think Miami's very talented. I'm not very high on Pittsburgh Um, at Virginia is tough home against Virginia tech. I think it is a benefit. You get them at home, but I think Virginia tech will be better. NC state, they lose a lot. That's a tough game, but again, you benefit by getting them at home. And then you have a home game against Georgia who will likely be a top five or six team all year long. Even if they do drop a game or two, Uh, they're going to be very, very good. So I don't see six wins. I I see four. I I think they will be better than North Carolina. I, I think the popular pick and, The pick, at least at ACC kickoff, was that Georgia Tech would finish last in the Coastal. I don't see it. I think they'll finish ahead of North Carolina. I I think they're a four-win team, Joey, maybe five. Um, I I have a really hard time chalking up six wins here, mostly because I don't think that they'll get two wins out of conference. I I think if they do find a way to get two wins out of conference, if they're able to find a way to beat South Florida and Temple, um, plus plus the Citadel, uh, then I think we're talking and <laughs> that's three wins. And I think you're well on your way to making a case for ball eligibility. But I think more than likely it's, it's a win, maybe two out of conference. And if you get the third great, um, uh, but I think more than likely you're probably going one and three out of conference, that temple game that a lot of people are expecting Georgia tech to win. I, I think it's far from a certainty, um, especially on the road, especially because Temple's going to be hyped up to play. And because Georgia Tech's implementing an entire new system on both sides of the football, I mean, it's that's something that's, you know, we touched on in this preview with Kelly. But I mean, it really can't be understated. Like this is going to be a very difficult year just schematically, um, even though there is talent on their roster. So I think four and eight is the move. I'm going to lean conservative, and I, I do think they can get to five or six wins. But I do think that would be an upset. It would be it would be tough to do.
0: Yeah, the scheme changes you mentioned. I mean, it's it's not the end-all, be-all, but it's not nothing either. It's 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 meaningful, and, and it's going to have its impacts. Um, I will say the good news about the Temple game. You get that coming off of the Citadel and a bye week. The bad news is you got to go to Philadelphia to play that game, and you're going to play it in an NFL stadium that will be, a, you know, a quarter full, and it's not going to be any sort of raucous atmosphere, you know, so you got to get up for that. I, that makes me nervous. Um, I'm with you, too, by the way. The, Georgia Tech voted last in the coastal, um, behind North Carolina and Duke. You know, I, I feel like that might have been a little bit influenced by a, uh, a North Carolina heavy media contingent there that was doing yep. the voting. You said it, not me. Yeah, I. You know, maybe they maybe they do finish in last, and maybe they go winless in, in conference play and all this stuff. But if I'm trying to if I'm trying to find six wins here, you beat the Citadel. Let's say you split South Florida and Temple, so you go two and two out of conference, so you need to win four in conference. I think two of those have to be North Carolina and Duke. Yep. I think one of them probably has to be Pittsburgh at home in November. And then I think the other one might have to be NC State on a Thursday night at home in November. Yep. And yeah, you play NC State on short on short rest. Pittsburgh again I mean they are what they are but the the good news is you get those games A at home but B later in the year where you're starting to develop hopefully some stability and some consistency and you've really hopefully started to solidify that that knowledge and understanding of the system so I, I think that's the path either either you sweep South Florida the Citadel and Temple or it's North Carolina Duke and then I think it's Pittsburgh and then either I guess split maybe Virginia Tech and NC State but you know I don't know I mean you get Virginia Tech at home too which helps but I don't know we'll see I mean Mike in like a month and a half we might have completely different opinions about Virginia Tech than we do now so
1: yeah right so that was gonna lead into my next question which I'm now kicking myself I didn't ask Kelly because I I made it known to Kelly early in the podcast that I was a Virginia Tech guy because I knew he wasn't familiar with me uh, so I mentioned I was a Virginia Tech alum, and now I'm really wishing that I asked him about that Virginia Tech game in mid-November because Justin Fuente has not beaten Georgia Tech since he's been in Blacksburg, and we're going on to year four now. So, Joey, I guess I'll ask you, does Virginia Tech beat Georgia Tech? Does Justin Fuente exercise his demons here on the road in mid-November in Atlanta? That's what I want to know.
0: Uh, do I have to say yes or no here? I just I have a hard time with it because... On some level, like Virginia Tech should just be objectively better than Georgia Tech this year. But at the same time, again, I, I have a little bit of struggle with the trust in that in Fuente and his coaching staff. Yep. But I also you you kind of can't deny that they haven't played well in any of those games against Georgia Tech, right? Like even on on year by year standards, like that that really good what was it like a nine or ten win twenty sixteen team yep. scored twenty points and and let. Backup quarterback Matthew Jordan and, and backup B back Marcus Marshall center.
1: and backup center
0: and backup center Kenny Cooper just I mean run rampant on them. I mean, so I don't know. It's it's something kind of I don't know. I don't know. I
1: that was that was weird too in year one too, Joey, because that was the 2016 Virginia Tech team that nearly beats Clemson in the ACC championship game. Clemson goes on to win the national championship. It was a Total mixed bag in year one for Justin Fuente. A lot of talent on that roster. And I'd argue that a lot of games that were wasted, a lot of opportunity wasted.
0: Yeah, I I think so. Um, I guess we'll save Virginia Tech, you know, relapses for uh, another podcast. But I, yeah, record wise, to me, six and six just sounds too good to be true, unfortunately. Um, I think we're probably. You know we're probably being a little bit too wishful saying that. I'm gonna I'm gonna say five and seven, and there's probably again some kind of some hopefulness in there. Hopefully the the defense can um, kind of turn things around pretty quickly here under a new scheme that hopefully should leverage some talent, maybe a little better than previous schemes did. Thinking that there's a little bit more talent on that offense than uh, than a lot of people tend to realize. I'll say five and seven, but again I think I think that's a little bit wishful. Uh, more importantly, Mike. Vegas win total here? You got a guess? No guess? Vegas win total? No guess? Nothing? Bueller?
1: Guess I should, guess I should not, uh, shouldn't mute myself, huh? Um, four and a half?
0: Not, not, not at this point. There's some days where I get irritated with you, and yes, you should, but no, not today. <laughs> uh, no, it is four.
1: Uh, all right.
0: It's four.
1: Okay, so I was close.
0: It, you are close, but more importantly, Mike. Over four is—I'm seeing it at plus 140. So if if you are like myself and and certainly like Kelly, who thinks that this team kind of bottoms out at five wins, go hit that button. Go hit that button.
1: I don't hate it. I don't hate it.
0: Yeah, that's. I don't hate it. Your mileage may vary, but that's—I I think that's a something to consider. Something to consider. And, and but again, keep in mind that like they're like. Two offensive line injuries away from maybe winning like one game, so (laughs) that's a bit of a fragile, uh, fragile situation as well. So keep an eye on that,
1: Uh, Mike. I like I like the juice. I like the juice, Joey, at plus one forty though. I can't argue. That's
0: that's particularly good juice on one of these like win total bets. We've been seeing a lot of maybe getting up to like plus one ten or something like that, but plus one forty on a number that we don't feel bad about. Got to be got to be taken into consideration. Uh, Mike,
1: at worst, you're pushing.
0: I, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. If you if getting that push is, is good enough in a lot of cases, I think. But you know, what do I know? I'm not any good at gambling. Uh, Mike, you got four and eight. I got five and seven. Um, I, I think we would agree there's upside there, but the schedule, in a lot of ways, not particularly conducive. And, and you're going to see once again Georgia Tech, one of the two programs that is blessed enough to play Clemson and Georgia Tech and Georgia every year the other one, of course, being South Carolina. So um, not not really a great time in college football to be playing both those teams year in and year out, especially when most of anybody else that you play doesn't have to play either of them. So, you know,
1: good times. There's that. Nice. There's that. And I've been uh, perpetually, <laughs> perpetually accused of being too high on Georgia Tech on uh, local radio shows and things of that nature. So, hmm. I mean... I don't know. Um, I feel like four and eight is a pretty conservative estimate by my standards for Georgia tech, but what do you expect? It's a total rebuild in my opinion. I think if you get six wins, it's hard to argue. Jeff Collins has got to be your, your coach of the year in the ACC short of Dabo going, you know, whatever it is, 13 and 0. Again, season games and again, and, and winning the ACC championship. I mean, for For the record, uh, and I know a lot of you have listened to Clemson podcasts already, Joey and I both predicted that Clemson would go thirteen and 0. so uh, um, we've already sold our soul in that camp
0: dilly dilly uh all right, Mike, I think that's all I got on Tour to Tech. You got anything else? No, I think we're good. I think so. I think that was a really good preview. I think that covered a lot of ground again. Kelly was awesome. Go find him. Um, he's at Kelly, Kelly underscore Quinlan on Twitter. Uh, he's on jackets online on the rivals network. Go, uh, go pay him some money and, and get a lot of really, really good info in return. Um, they did a great job covering the Jeff Collins, you know, the, the whole coaching search, they cover recruiting pretty brilliantly. He's got a great staff working there with him. So I, one last time I cannot endorse them enough. Um, I I'm a huge fan of their site and what they do. They do a great job. So highly recommend you go find them. Uh, Mike, we do need to get out of here. we got a couple more team previews we got to get done. But in the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRSJoey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, you can go find Kelly Quinlan on Twitter at Kelly underscore Quinlan uh, and, and go find him for all of his great Georgia Tech coverage. Uh, Mike, they can find us on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, Breaker. And more importantly, they can find us on the Anchor app. Uh, the anchor podcast platform. We highly recommend that they do. Um, they can send questions, comments, and concerns to the longest email address: no demand basketball conference podcast at gmail.com Nailed it. Thank you, thank you. And I, I've heard, uh, I've heard talk, and you can kind of confirm or deny this, Mike. That uh, we might have a little bonus show here coming up in a minute. Uh, oh yeah, featuring some, li- some some listener questions. You never know. It's common. Allegedly, allegedly, maybe uh mike you want to tell them where they can find us on the social medias
1: yes sir facebook facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review find all of our podcasts there joey
0: please do please do uh and mike i think that's all i got you want to get out of here and go preview some more teams
1: got to man we're almost done here
0: we are almost to the finish line almost there uh so keep it tuned here we're uh, we're getting close to season starting uh we're like two weeks away from having actual football games to preview and uh, and all that so Again, keep it tuned here. We appreciate your all support and uh, look forward to kind of getting into the actual season when it gets here. But in any case, uh, until next time for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC.